I want to talk this morning. I didn't say preach, I said talk. Because discipleship is what I call this message because it is so important. If it wasn't important, would Jesus have said, in the last things he said as he was getting ready to leave, go ye therefore into all nations and make disciples. He didn't say make Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Assembly of God, Lutheran, or even Christians. He said, make disciples. He said, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go ye therefore. What does that mean to you and me? And who was he speaking to? He was speaking to his disciples. They were to take this message that the Lord had given them to all the ends of the earth, the earth that they knew as, as their area. Do you think it stops with them? No, it doesn't. And how were they to do this? There was so much opposition at that time on the Jews because they were becoming Messianic Jews, as, as we call them today. They were believing in Jesus as Messiah. So a lot of them had to live in fear, right, rightly so, because there were so many people after them because they were believing in this Jesus. And they, people that weren't converted, the Jews, thought that they were being, um, oh, what is it, following after a false god. So let's punish him. Let's go after him. And you all know the story of Saul of Tarsus, how he was a Jew, a very righteous Jew, followed all the laws, had been taught by the best, grew up in a family where he learned all the laws, and he was out after these believers in Jesus, his Jewish believers in Jesus. And he was going after them, basically whipping them, jailing them, and some of them were being killed. Even Stephen, our first martyr, he was stoned to death because he was believing in this Jesus. But what happened to Paul? What happened to Saul of Tarsus? God had his hand on him. He, was, he knows everything that's going on in this world, and he kind of handpicks a few people to do some things sometimes. So he picked Paul, Saul. I get those two guys mixed up. They're one and the same. Saul was on his road to Damascus. You know the story, Acts chapter 9 to go after another group of believers, of Jewish believers, and persecute them. But what happened? The Lord God intervened, and he knocked Paul off of his animal. I'm assuming it was a horse. But he knocked him on the ground, and Paul laid there. He was blinded for three days. But as soon as he ended up on that ground and he was blinded, he knew. He said, Lord, 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 Lord. It was like he recognized. And then God sent someone to him who should have feared Paul because of his actions. Saul, again, was his name. But i got to tell you, at that time, his name went from Saul to Paul. So that's why I keep saying Paul. I'm used to talking to him about Paul. Paul became a believer in this Jesus, this Messiah, this Yeshua, so he became one of those Jews who believed in Jesus, so he was just as hunted as the others were. But he eventually became the apostle that God called to the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. To clarify this, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. And another word for that is heathen, until you become a believer in Jesus. So we all start in the same playing field. We are all born as 
creations of God, but to become a child of God, you need to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as God in the flesh, risen from the dead for you and me, who shed his blood for you and me. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and filled these Jewish believers. You know, before um, the Holy Spirit came, the third person of the Trinity, they were still living in a lot of fear because they were out preaching a message that wasn't well-received by most in the community. But they were kind of going out on their own on their own to do this. But then God sent the Holy Spirit. And you know the story. They were filled with the Spirit. And all of a sudden came this boldness, this boldness to stand before a crowd and say, in spite of you know the fear of getting mobbed and perhaps killed, God's Spirit touched them, filled them, and sent them out. And Peter began preaching to a mob of people. It was, they were all in Jerusalem for the feast. And every year they had to go up to Jerusalem for this feast. So God had a captive audience, and all of a sudden steps Peter, and he starts boldly preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that he's Messiah. And they needed to repent because we are all sinners, and they needed to repent. And they're looking, man, these guys got to be drunk for being that bold and going out and saying these things. Well, no, it wasn't the time of day when they drank. But these people were dr- drunk with the Holy Spirit. They were just filled. And they went out that day preaching among this crowd. And there were thousands there. 3,000 people came to Christ that day. 3,000 people repented and believed in Jesus. There were many more than that that didn't. So that still left a whole crowd of people that didn't know him. Now, 3,000 people... We have the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in him, you ask him to fill you with his spirit, he gives you that boldness to step out in faith without all that fear. I mean, I remember the first time I told someone about Jesus, I thought I'd die. I mean, I think I got a red face and it's like a little nervous. I mean, how do you go up to someone and talk to them about Jesus? I had a friend once years ago that stopped over at my house and she was all blotchy red. I said, what's the matter with you, Rita? And she says, I'm just so excited. She says, I was just at the general store. That's when they had general stores. I was just at the general store, and I was sharing Jesus with with the clerk. And I said, you mean you were in a store talking about Jesus? I mean, that, that isn't something you did, right? But as a believer, yeah. So the first time I did that, it was pretty hard. Second time and the third time, I was starting to get a little bit more. I'm not afraid because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. So what happened to these 3,000 people? What happened to these disciples that Jesus called? A Jewish person usually begins their ministry about 30. So Jesus was 30, and he was on this earth another, what, three, three and a half years. Jesus discipled these people. When he called them, he just didn't say, okay, I want you to pray this, pray this prayer of salvation and repent and all that, which is what we tell them. But he discipled them. They were with Jesus for three years, and he taught them. He got the word to them. 
They didn't have the written word like we have now. They had their Old Testament on parchment and things, but, and actually, this is all Old Testament yet. We've got the Old Testament and the Gospels. The New Testament wasn't yet written. But he taught his disciples. And the other thing I like to think about is in John's priestly prayer, or Jesus' priestly priestly prayer in John chapter 17, when he's praying to his father, he's praying, he's getting ready to leave to go back home by his dad, and he's getting ready to leave and he's praying. And he's asking for protection. He says, I'm not asking that you take my people out of this world, but that you're with them, that you're protecting them, you're taking care of them. And he's, he's also praying that for the people that believe as a result of their testimony. So when these disciples, after Jesus had left, when these disciples were still sharing the gospel message, Jesus was already praying for those people. Now I want to ask you this. If the disciples had been cowardly and never went out and shared that gospel, you and I probably wouldn't be sitting here or standing here today because you need to be out sharing what Jesus says to do. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them. Now, he's not telling them to teach them the 1613 laws or the Ten Commandments. He's telling them, tell them about me. Disciple them, teach them. When I've been working with people, um, evangelism's always been the big thing. Oops, I gotta remember not to do that. Hold my hand. My kids say, Mom, you can't talk without your hands, can you? Hold it behind you. And then they know I'll be quiet. <laughs> i got to keep my hands going. Now I lost my train of thought. One thing that I, I had a great desire after I really met Jesus, I was 35 years old before I really met the Lord. I'd been religious all my life, in a church all my life, but I never had a relationship with Jesus. I knew nothing about salvation, just that if I was good enough when I died, I might make it. And if not, well, you know the consequences. But then I found that Jesus loved me so much he died for me. And I needed a savior because I was a sinner. We all are. For all have fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. Maybe some a little more than others, but we have all sinned people. Did you ever cheat on your income tax? Did you ever tell a lie? Did you ever look lustfully at another man or woman? Those are all sins. But you know what? We have a savior who came and died for us. So when we confess our sins to him, he forgives them. And the great thing about all my sins, he took them and he threw them over there. He said, I'll never remember those again. But when I became a believer in Christ, the Christ of the Bible, I wasn't just left there. I was discipled from page one on through. Started with the great I am of the Old Testament, found out he's the great I am of the New Testament. Same God. So as I was growing in my faith, evangelism was the big thing that was on my heart. I'd think about all my friends and relatives that didn't know Christ, and God kept putting different people in my path, and I was able to work with them and lead them to the Lord. It wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit drawing them, but we are here to be God's hands, feet, and mouthpiece, right? That's what the Bible says. 
So I was sharing Christ with a lot of people. And one thing the Lord impressed upon me is when you do share that message with me, of me, to them, you give them a Bible. And I used to be a realtor in Green Bay for many years. And I ordered a bunch of leather-bound cross-reference, words of Jesus in red, study Bibles. I ordered them from the bookstore. So then I would just call them and say, no, I want their names imprinted in gold on the Bible. You see, when you give someone a Bible and you write in it, they can't take it back, right? They can't take it back. So and I had a lot of people, when they'd open their Bibles, they, a couple of times they la- kind of laughed when I walked out the door. <laughs> well, throughout the years, some of these same people found me somewhere, and they said, remember that Bible you gave us? Yes. I met Jesus, and I went down to the basement to look through all the boxes to where I put that Bible, and here it was sitting right on top of this box. She and her husband and kids all came to the Lord. Another one had been very upset with God because she'd lost a child who had been really sick, and believe me, I understand that. I lost a little brother when I was like this high, and I can understand the anguish and hurt and pain So you don't criticize someone where they're at. You never do that. And if you don't really understand, don't say, I understand. Just let them know you care. So I gave them a Bible. And she said, I used to walk close with the Lord, but after this happened to my my child, I walked away from God, and I've been angry ever since. Well, I left them with that Bible. So pass on a few years. Well, do I, I often would go back and visit with the people I sold houses to. And she was just smiling. She says, I just want to tell you, you know that Bible you gave me? I've reconciled with the Lord. He just kept drawing me to him and to his word. And she says, I went on my knees before the Lord. And we have spiritual knees. For you people who can't kneel like me, you have spiritual knees. But she went on her knees before the Lord, recommitted her life to them. And I can tell you of the couple that got remarried because of the word of God working in their hearts. So you need to get a Bible into someone's hands when you've been sharing Jesus. And sometimes you never see these people again, so you can't be responsible for discipling them, and discipling them is teaching them. But you can pray for them. Pray for them. So evangelism and discipleship is very deep on my heart, so I take this very, very seriously. And especially the part where Jesus is talking to his father and saying, I don't only pray for these people, but for the ones that will come to me through them. In another few years, 10, 20, 30 years, when the next generation comes through, are those that come behind us, are they going to find those of us that we were faithful, that we were faithful in our message clearly faithful to present Jesus to them? Or are we so caught up in, I want to be the best mom, the best dad, the best this, the best that. I want to have the snazzy car. I like the boats. I'm just having such a good time. And yeah, I believe in God, but, but live your life to the fullest, the way God gave it to you in joy. But put him first. First is God. Then it's your husband or your wife, then your children, then your church. You have to put God first in your life. 
no matter who you are or what position you are in. So um, let me glance, see if I have anything else that I want to do. Oh, yeah, those scripture readings for, the, for today. We read, you know, I talked a little bit about Acts chapter 1, where, you, where the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives you that power to be, to be that witness. But one of my favorite uh, verses that I use a lot when I'm working with someone or after I've discipled, as I'm discipling them, or if you're going to be talking to someone, this scripture verse, and you've got it in your bulletin, is Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is so true. Paul is talking here, and he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe it in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So easy. It's confessing it to God with your mouth that you do believe in him, but you have, it starts in your heart. It isn't just in your head. Salvation is 18 inches. Big, big. And I know most of you know that. How many of you already know all this? Oh, good. I'm talking. Okay, there's a couple of you not afraid to raise your hands. <laughs> it's the heart. Ah, the heart's acceptance of Christ. Eventually, your head will get it. But your heart's acceptance of Christ. And that results in a new life. A new life in Christ. Behold, old things pass away and all things become new. You're that new creature in Christ. No matter how old you are, you're made new. It's with the mouth there's confession, then it results in salvation. Somebody ever ask you, are you saved? Oh, I remember my little girl came home from school one day and she says, from fourth grade, she says, Mommy, Mommy, I'm saved. And I said, from what? You know, I just... What's the matter? She says, I've been saved. I prayed today. I asked Jesus to forgive me all my sins. And I asked Jesus in my heart. I says, how can he forgive you your sins? You have to go to confession for that. You know, I wasn't really bright either. And and she says, I think she gave up on me. She just said, but mommy, mommy, would you buy me a Bible? And she kept asking me that. I said, well, what the heck do you need one of those for? Well, that's where I was at spiritually. I'd spent my life in church. But I never wanted a Bible. I didn't even know what it was. We had our missiles, right? So what that little girl in fourth grade did is saved up her money from babysitting, and she went to Kmart with her girlfriend and her mother, and she bought a New King James Bible. No, I mean, uh, what's the one they used to use? Yes, thank you. She bought one of those. But she's smart, and this is where I learned about putting names on Bibles. In the front of the Bible, so I wouldn't take it back, she put, To Mommy and Daddy from Terry, Merry Christmas. That was a girl in fourth grade who had an encounter with Jesus Christ, who happens to be my oldest daughter, and that was my first Bible. I don't know if she eventually got one. Well, eventually she got one, but... And Terry could tell a lot of great stories, too. I serve a God who is faithful. He's been good to me. He has brought me out of so many things. He has protected me. Have I always been 
safe. No, I went through a bad time in my life when I lived in fear. But you know what? I'm here, and I'm alive. I'm 80 years old, and whatever the Lord says come up, I don't, won't have anything to say about it. But if he calls me home, I've led the life that I think would be pleasing to God only because it's his life in me, not me. Amen? Now I'm beginning to sound like a Baptist. <laughs> but God bless the Baptists. I just have another note. I just want to check, see if I forgot anything. Oh, by the way, this commission Jesus gave to go ye therefore, make disciples. He's, this little commentary says, the commission is not man, it's not man, it's not optional. It's mandatory. That's Jesus speaking to you or me. Go ye therefore. Now, you don't have to go to California. You don't have to go to Arizona, except in winter. But, but you have family members, and they're the last that's going to listen to you. And you have neighbors. You have friends that you know are probably the nicest people you know, but they still need Jesus. So when you, this is, I could go to your evangelism class, but I have to go to a birthday party. Um, that's seven-year-olds. We all need Jesus. We all are going to have eternal life somewhere, someday. I know where I'm going because of what Jesus did for me. And I know many of you in here know the same thing because you know the same Jesus. But you have neighbors that don't. You have friends that don't. And Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them and then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to this, I'm going to say amen. Because once you get me talking about Jesus, I don't like to stop. So anyway, let's stand and say the creed.